Peak Wealth Management proudly presents the Trust the Plan podcast with Nick Hopwood and Jim Pilot, where we believe by providing education and guidance, we can help you retire with peak confidence. Now, here are your certified financial planners, Nick and Jim. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to the Trust the Plan podcast. I'm Nick. We're joined with Jim as well. Say hello, Jim. Hey, everyone. And we have a special guest this week, Eric Brotman from BFG Financial Advisors out of Maryland. Welcome, Eric. Thanks, Nick. Great to be here. Eric, I think this is the first uh, you know, outside financial advisor we've had on the show. So we appreciate you reaching out. And I want to ask you a question. Why do you want to be on another financial advisor's podcast? That's a great question. Um, I'm actually looking for work. No, uh, the reason the reason that I like to do this is that I, I believe that the financial advisory business is one of uh, of incredible abundance and not scarcity. And there's a, a need for what we do. And getting to know other financial advisors around the country has been really good, not only to make sure we're taking good care of our clients and that we're helping one another out, but there's ways to collaborate. Um, and there's such a shortage of really talented financial advisors and, and great firms out there that when you find them, you want to get to know them because I, I don't view you gentlemen as, as competition. I, I view you as, as um, I view you as, as a, another resource in our toolkit and, and there may be reasons to work together or know each other down the road. I agree totally. Last week I was at a financial planning conference in Nashville and, you know, met a ton of other advisors. And again, not necessarily the competition, but collaborating and you know listening to each other and uh, and taking best practices away. So I totally agree with that. Now you have your own podcast. It's called the Don't Retire Graduate Podcast. What is the theme and how? What does that name really mean? Well, what it means is that retirement, in its traditional sense, is not only antiquated; it's torture, and no one should do it. And I know that that flies in the face of everything we tell clients half the time is, oh, let's plan for retirement. Everyone comes to you and wants to, to talk about how to not work anymore. And I think we're confusing retirement with financial independence. Reaching financial independence is an amazing goal, whether you're 27 or 77 when you get there. But retirement in its present sense was something that was done to people, not for them. It started in the 1800s in Germany, and it was almost punishment for people who had outlived their effectiveness. And they were sentenced to retire, which sounds terrible. And so if you look up the word to retire is to retreat or to disappear. In the UK, the word retire means to go to bed. I'm going to retire for the night. I'm going to sleep. And I don't know anyone who wants to spend 20, 30, 40, 50 years building a career, building an incredible vitae, building an amazing network of, of professionals and friends and so forth who then just wants to quit and sit on the couch and watch daytime TV. I, I just don't think that's healthy. And then people don't thrive. They don't live very long unless they have things to look forward to. And there's only so many golf courses. And while I think grandkids are a great way to, to spend time, even grandkids grow up and suddenly don't want to hang out with grandpa anymore, at least not as often. And so it's, I think it's really important to stay engaged in life and to use that network for good, whether it's for nonprofit work, whether it's for consulting work, whether it's for any type of, uh, of endeavor, whether it's for profit or not. I think that's well said. It reminds me of the book Halftime, where you go from a life of success to significance, the idea being you don't just retire to the couch, right? 
what does that next chapter look like and how can it be exciting? I totally agree. And significance should never be then replaced with irrelevance. And if you look at someone's LinkedIn profile and it just says, hi, I'm Nick and I'm retired. No one is clicking on that to be, wow, that guy's got to be great. I got to get to know him. He sounds dynamic. They're gonna, <laughs> it might as well say deceased because at that point you're, you've, you've rendered yourself irrelevant. And I think it's great not to have to work. Don't get me wrong. Building a financial nest egg to the point where you have security for yourself, your family, uh, and, and can do some philanthropy and other things is great. But uh, stay in the game. Stay active and involved for as long as possible. That's how you see these 80 and 90-year-old people who are doing amazing things instead of withering. Now, you've been in the business for 30 years, so you've seen quite a lot. You know, back in the 90s, right, the whole conversation about uh, retirement and whether you have enough money uh, often end, ended with a little snicker saying, well, I don't want to be the Walmart greeter, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not, we're, we're talking about maybe, maybe making money during this next chapter, maybe not, right? Uh, so how do you talk to people, your, your clients about, um, you know, your second chapter and, and making money doing that? Well, I think part of it is, is do you need it? If you can get to the point where it's truly optional, then you can find a passion project. And for some people that might be working at Home Depot because they love that kind of stuff and they can help people figure out how to build things and it makes them happy. But you don't want to be stuck punching a clock when you're 78. You just don't. And so if, if it's something you love to do, no matter how seemingly mundane it might be to, to you or, or to me, it might be a passion project for somebody else. You know, people who, who decide that they're going to retire and then they work at a national park or they start teaching or working with kids or, or doing something with seniors or whatever it is, whether it's for a paycheck or not, as long as that's irrelevant, it doesn't have to drive your decision. Now, for people who, who say, I'm never retiring, I want to die at my desk, um, there are two ways to look at that. One is, wow, you really love what you're doing and want to spend your last day on earth doing it. That's lovely. But for a lot of people, it's, I haven't saved enough. I know I can't quit. And I'm just going to do this until I, until I run out of our oxygen. And that to me is a sad way to go out. For sure. You know, Jim, we often quote the force, the four questions we ask ourselves when we're ready to retire from the, your retirement quest book. You know, I wonder if we can work that, those four steps uh, into this conversation. Yeah, I was actually thinking about the same thing as Eric was talking. Those uh, those four points that we talk a lot about uh, were, were running through my mind. You know, the first one of those is, am I financially able to retire? Do I have enough money? Have I set enough money aside um, to, to be able to live comfortably in retirement? <clears throat> um, secondly is, um, what am I going to do with my time? You know, we have 40 hours worth of work uh, that we're looking to replace. So like you said, what are we retiring to something, right? We're not just stopping work. We're retiring to something. Um, and don't forget, have we accomplished what we want in our career? <laughs> oh, yeah. you're right. I did go out a little bit out of order. Yeah. <laughs> With work, have I accomplished what I want, right? Have I, have I achieved the goals? Was I in the middle of a project that I wanted to make sure I completed? Um, third step is, um, is the, what am I going to retire to? Uh, and then the fourth step is, is my spouse on board? You know, it's mm -hmm. something that usually gets a chuckle, but most people, it's a big component of that retirement question, you know, and, and are you on the same page with your spouse? Because uh, it looks a lot different when you're home all the time than when you uh, took time off during the day to work. <laughs> oh yeah. I assure you, my wife does not want me puttering around the house under any circumstances. <laughs> a day off is lovely. 
but if I did that all the time, I'd be in her way yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So those are the four yeah. things we like to talk to people about a lot. And uh, I think you're, you know, we're in the same, uh, we're kind of in the same ballpark with the things we're talking about with that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's helpful. And I would also say, Jim, that that there's a, a fifth component, which is how do you want to be remembered? What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Mm-hmm. And and I okay. think that legacy is more than money. You know, it's not slapping your name on a building to try and be immortal. I don't know where you went to college, but where I went to college, every every hall had a name on it. Yeah, I didn't know who those people were. I didn't even care. I just needed to know where class was. So I don't think that's immortality in the same way that leaving behind a scholarship that that helps people every year or doing other things that become perpetual can be. And so whether it's healthcare or education or religious affiliation or other things, whatever it is, there's ways to to create a legacy. There's also ways to share values and visions with your kids and grandkids and even members of your family you'll never meet. And those things are powerful. They they mean so much more than money. Who gets the China cabinet should never be a, 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 an issue or a conversation. It, it is a lot, sadly, but it, it really shouldn't be. Eric, <clears throat> what you said reminded me of the University of Michigan Business School. And I don't know how this deal went down, but for decades, it was named the William Davidson School of Business. And he was the owner of the Pistons and uh, I forget the name of the glass company, uh, like windshields, like they had the monopoly on the market. Just the guy was loaded made huge gifts to the university and he's gone now. And now it's called the Ross school of business because Stephen Ross made it, wrote a check and made a donation. So I find that really interesting, right? So what, what happens to Bill Davidson's legacy here with the name on the building, so to speak? Well, and, and at what point does the building come down because it's no longer useful in a, in a modern world in 2052, they need some other facility. You know, I, I went to Penn and at the Wharton School at Steinberg Dietrich Hall, and they had a contract that said you can never take this these walls down, literally. So when they added on to it, they literally built around it so that the inside of the hall still has external brick because <laughs> they weren't legally allowed to, to either tear it down or move it. They had to keep Steinberg Dietrich there, but they built around it because they needed more space. And now it has some other nomenclature. And, and it's a, it's a fascinating thing to, to be able to honor that. I, you know, I was asked, uh, I, I served as a trustee here at locally at Stevenson university for 11 years and loved it and learned a lot about academia. And, um, when presented with the option to, to sort of slap my name on something at the new stadium or to do something else, we decided instead to endow a scholarship that in perpetuity will be a gap scholarship that keeps juniors and seniors in school. Because if you know a lot about financial aid, financial aid offers are level and tuitions never level goes up every year. And so it might meet your need freshman and sophomore year, but junior and senior year, you've got a bunch of young people who are two years, maybe three years into school who run the risk of not graduating over a relatively small amount of money. And so there are ways to, to solve that problem and in perpetuity to do it so that there'll be a, a, a Brotman Financial Group scholarship at Stevenson University forever. And I'm amazingly proud of that. And I prefer it to having the media room in the stadium named after me. That's terrific. Well, good for you. I I, uh, I applaud that. Now, do you mind if I ask you a personal question? I don't mind. I, I reserve the right to not answer it, Nick. But yes, you can ask. All right. So you were talking to us earlier about what, what you know, fast forward 10, 20 years, whatever, your next chapter might look like 
Yeah. So you've been you've been talking with clients and you know reflecting and you know thinking about maybe what you want to do as the next chapter. Would you mind sharing for uh, for us what what that could be for you? Oh, I, I wouldn't mind that at all. And I, I that that's borderline personal, so I, that's quality. Um, I, what I would say is that my succession plan is already in, in underway. You know, I've been at this thirty years. I'm in my early fifties, so I'm certainly not ready to go out to pasture yet, but. Um, I do want to know that the company is in terrific shape beyond my lifetime. That's one of the goals that I have. When you say, did you accomplish what you wanted to at work? I want this firm to be much longer uh, than I am, you know, in terms of being in the business. So I've identified my successor. We have a, a CEO waiting in the wings who is right now um, the chief operating officer being promoted to president later this year. Don't tell anyone uh, and is eventually going to be CEO my plan is to move into a sort of visionary role and one that is business development and, and the growth of the firm, um, but in a in a slightly different way. And, you know, I only represent about 60 families personally right now. So it's less than 10% of the clients in our firm who I meet with regularly. And, and I have a co-advisor in every one of those meetings. So there's continuity. I'm the old guy in the office. So it, it's kind of, I never, I, I was the young precocious one. Um, and now I'm the old guy in the office and it's, it's a, a bizarre change, but I, I love what I'm doing. I want to do it for as long as I'm useful and for as long as the clients and, and my coworkers and my partners want me here. But I also know that, that the next challenge for me is going to be reaching other financial advisors and helping them reach more people and spreading financial literacy literally from coast to coast. I, I think if we can empower people, even those who can't afford to hire someone like you or, or like me. If there are people like that out there, we want to reach them and, and make a difference for them. That's terrific. I remember when I was the young kid, you know, and now I'm feeling uh, like the old guy as well. So it, as you ref reflect on that, it's quite interesting. But we do have the young kid here, right? Preston, say hello. I forgot to introduce you earlier. Preston, as, as the youngest person on the call, what do you think about the concept of don't retire, graduate? And, you know, financial planning does matter. Yeah, I mean, I love the concept. And one thing I've noticed, you know, with people my, I'll say my age, um, and my friends that I talk with is a lot of them, you know, we're in our early to mid 20s. And a lot of them have already adopted the idea of, I don't think I'll ever retire, like, I'm already loving what I'm doing. And I just don't see myself ever stopping. Um, so I think, you know, my generation is certainly all on board with this idea. At least anecdotally, right? Right. <laughs> well, Gen Z gives me a lot of hope. The millennials scared me to death, but the but Gen Z gives me a lot of hope because while the millennials realized that they were free agents and that they were on their own, they also tend to job hop a lot and not really to put roots down. And I get the sense they also, millennials want to do it themselves. They, they are less likely to seek advice than any generation in history, whereas Gen Z is saying, I want to outsource everything that's not in my my purview that I don't love to do or want to spend time with. And so Gen Z actually gives me a lot of hope, not only for the future of the country, but for the future of our industry. Eric, I know that you're in the Baltimore area, so you're probably a, a Maryland uh, Terrapins fan, right? It's it's true. Guilty as charged. I've been to two Michigan at Maryland games, which okay. which I took my boys with me. Absolutely loved it. We toured DC. Um, we went into the stadium, had some nice wins, and they put the fear of the turtle, you know, on the screen, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's pretty scary, you know. Well, it's a very threatening animal. 
Yes. I mean, if you've ever been attacked by a turtle, you'll, you'll not forget it. Now, back in the day, uh, Maryland changed the helmets to, to do the two flags, right? Mm -hmm. Like the two house flags. Mm -hmm. And the first time I remember watching highlights on ESPN, I thought, what the heck? Those, those colors don't go together. They're clashing. This is ridiculous. Yeah. But I learned on my Maryland trips that it's like the tribute to the two houses back in the day, hundreds of years ago. So tell us what that means. My goodness. I, I, I can't give you enough Maryland history for this show uh, in that way. I do know that those helmets were hideous and I had to sometimes change the channel because I couldn't stare at them very long. So let's throw out the, we love our flag in this state. In this state, there are, there are sites online that says Maryland is not a state, it's a cult. And, <laughs> and, and there's some truth to that. We're very proud of where we're from. And it's a very diverse place because you have Baltimore and then you have Washington 40 minutes apart. And, you know, I grew up in, in the Baltimore metro area and I was taught two things. And that was to root for all things Baltimore and against all things Washington. And so College Park, where University of Maryland is, is really a, a D.C. suburb. It's not a Baltimore suburb. And so when you're down there, it's, it's Baltimore and Washington coming together to, to root for the same team is a peculiar thing. It doesn't happen in any other sport or in any other way. You know, for years, the, the owners of the, the Redskins kept the Baltimore from getting an NFL team. The owners of the Orioles kept the, the Washington area from getting a baseball team. Like, there was real hatred. Um, so the, the state itself, the state itself, the, the red and the white and then the black and gold do represent different areas. Um, Baltimore's flag is all black and gold, which is ironic because no one here likes anything black and gold, particularly during Sundays. Um, if it involves the Steelers, nobody here is very happy about that. So it's an interesting combination, but, but, you know, Queen Mary, the, the Maryland was named after Queen Mary in the 1600s. It was one of the first colonies and so forth, but I can't give you the history. I think you're, you're seeking. In fact, I'm ready now to take a Maryland history course in my retirement. That's going to be the first course I take at Towson mm -hmm. U. Well, once I learned that, you know, I was paying tribute to this history, then I, I learn to really like those helmets. So that's, that's my view. Still don't like the helmets. The flag <laughs> is everywhere, but, but I don't like the helmets. Um, and, and really joining the big 10 was peculiar because ACC basketball was near and dear to us for a long, long time. And the, the real hatred of Duke um, <laughs> is something that still hasn't really fully gone away yet, but you know, you join the big 10 and then you realize that in the big 10, first of all, the, the research universities are amazing. It's an amazing group of, of institutions and then you realize that we can all universally dislike everything about Ohio State. And so it makes us kindred spirits. Awesome. Well, yeah. what we did learn about the Big Ten with Maryland and Rutgers and now all the West Coast teams joining is that football rules over everything. It does. As much as we love the NCAA tournament, it's all about the football. All right, Eric, in closing here, I don't know if this will be published in time, this podcast edition, but this weekend we have Maryland at Michigan State. Mm -hmm. and Michigan State's going through a lot of trouble right now, if you've been paying attention. Uh, they just got smoked by Washington last week. Maryland's looking all right, okay? They're coming in favored. Any crystal ball predictions with Maryland minus seven? Uh, I, I, what I will say is, first of all, don't ever bet. First of all, don't bet at all if you, if you can't afford to do it. But secondly, if you're going to, don't bet on Maryland. I, I, I have learned my lesson. I will never bet on the Terps again at anything because it ruins my joy of the game. 
you know, I'd rather just enjoy it for what it is. Um, I'm glad we can all root against Michigan State together this weekend. Um, and uh, and so we sort of look, look forward to that. But it, we don't we don't win a lot of games against the big the big Big Ten schools. And we're in the shadow of Penn State here, too. So we really do. I mean, they're not far from us. So we, we really are cannon fodder most Saturdays. But we'll see. It's going to be an interesting game. It will. I'll be watching. And and uh, Preston, does Central have a big game coming up this weekend? Um, I honestly haven't even checked. I'm going to the Michigan game myself this weekend. So. Okay, yeah. The first Big Ten game, Rutgers at Michigan. I'll be you, there. You and 110,000 friends. <laughs> right. Exactly. I have never been to the big house. So if you guys have extra tickets, I'm I'm happy to come out and join you anytime. It doesn't have to be a Maryland game. It could be, it could be the Ohio state games. We could root together. I already told yeah. you that's, that's an easy one. Their fans are awful. We're fast friends already, Eric. All right, there you go. You know, the, uh, the Ohio state at Michigan game is the, you know, real, obviously the best home game of the year, but it's really the only one this year. We yeah. just have kind of a weak home schedule this year. It's kind of strange how that worked out, but, uh, while we're on the topic, actually, next year, Texas is coming to the big house. So that'll be uh, an interesting game. Guys, do you have any other questions for Eric? I'm kind of tapped out here. I think it's been a good conversation. I appreciate uh, Eric's insight, and I appreciate hearing from another advisor that actually believes in planning. You know, I think we, you know, we we all have seen advisors that care more about selling something than oh, they yeah. do actually building a financial plan. And I think we're on the same page with uh wanting the actual, uh, a solid, you know, plan you can trust, um, given to those uh, clients. Well, it makes a difference. And, and I am desperately hopeful that at some point there will be a true standard in our industry. You know, accountants have the CPA where they don't, you know, lawyers have to pass the bar or they're not doctors mm -hmm. have to pass their boards or they're not in our business. It is still possible to show up the first day and call yourself a financial advisor, which is horrifying. It really is because, mm -hmm. you know, people entrust us with uh, conversations that are almost as intimate as medicine. And a lot of damage can be done by someone who doesn't know what they're doing. And so finding quality people and, you know, we're Preston, you give me hope too, because having somebody, you know, we have a number of folks in our office who are in their twenties who are doing spectacular work and learning it the right way. And that is so much better than than coming into the business and calling the hundred people you know to sell them something. Oh my goodness! So keep keep doing good work, gentlemen. It really does make a difference. Likewise, Eric, we appreciate you as a financial planner and kind of talking about the same things: planning matters uh, and don't retire, graduate. I think that's a great theme. And uh, congratulations on on the big following on your podcast. We appreciate you coming on today. Thank you. It's been fun and great getting to know you. Peak Wealth Management thanks you for watching and listening to the Trust the Plan podcast featuring certified financial planners Nick Hopwood and Jim Pilot. If you enjoyed our program, please subscribe and share. If you'd like to learn more about our services, please visit peakwm.com. peakwm.com today. See you next week.